low and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. This week's guest speaker at Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny for those who are willing to open their hearts to receive His favor and blessing into their lives. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Enjoy the message. Amen. So please welcome my friend, Pastor Brian Phillips. I haven't spoke yet, so you don't know if I deserve that or not. <laughs> hey, it's good to be here with you today. How you doing? Nice. Good days we live in, isn't it? Huh? Interesting days, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I kind of wore a hoodie today. Speak at a speak at a church, but you know, a lot of people think you should bring like your, you know, you should wear your best. And I want to tell you, this is the most expensive garment I own. I mean, it, I founded this thing, you know. Many years ago, I paid all the lawyers to uh, do all the paperwork, thousands, I mean, literally 15, I probably got 20 grand into this hoodie, so. So, yeah, I, I wore the, my best apparel today <laughs> in the house of God, so you might see relaxed, but this is, uh, I'm not relaxed. Um, I'm more, way more ready than most people would ever know, but, uh, hey, I did bring some uh, little skull beanies. You guys want some? You want one? All right, cool. I gave one to a woman, man. That's a men's thing. You better represent this thing. <laughs> All right. I don't know. We got three more. Anybody over here? Anybody want one? Look at all these chicks, man. Where are the men's hands at? <laughs> all right. There you go. <laughs> I mean, but I don't want to offend you too bad. So you can. But uh, there you go. They're, they're for sale, too, on the website, but whatever. Um, all right. Well, hey, it's good to be here with you guys. I want to say thank you to this church because you guys also, Steve is a great friend of mine, and I probably knew this about Steve, but I forgot that he was a drummer, too. It's like, dude, what do you not not do? It's like, that that explains how he's such a rock star all the time, you know? He's a drummer. You know, drummers are rock stars. They're the real leaders of the band, you know? You can stand here and do whatever you want, Mr. Worship Leader, but you know that drummer <laughs> is in control. <laughs> so anyway, see, all the musicians know that. You know, they don't let the big rock star guys, so. Well, I, I want to say thank you because you do... You do so into the ministry of Grace Ops. Grace Ops started in my heart 17 years ago on a mind mapping software I have. And I just started building it from there. Started running it by some colleagues and friends like this idea. And it, but it wasn't Grace Ops. Grace Ops, the name didn't come until a couple years ago. Maybe two or three years ago. And I was in the middle of being challenged by one of my board members and some friends. And, you know, that I really should do this. I really should launch this. And I, I, I said, okay, it's time to take action. It's time to start, it's time to go. And so it's time to take this really awesome developed idea I had and put a new name on it, which was very difficult to kind of figure out what to name it. Like, cause the, the current name I had, the old name I had, I still own the domain. It was called Kill Tobiah. I was going to start Kill Tobiah, but they just thought that was a little too radical. You know, some of the, the, you know, my, some of my board members, I still like it. I still think they're, they were weak, but I like uh, that they challenged me in the fact of like, hey, you should think of something new, a little different. So if you ever try to name something that has anything to do with Christianity, I'm sorry, you know, this could really be offensive, but there are so many dumb names in the Christian world. It's like, where is our creativity? Where is our, yeah, I lost it, didn't I? You're like, dude. Um, I mean, sometimes people hand me business cards from their church. I'm like, this is the best you could do. Nobody? Nobody else? <laughs> I mean, sometimes you get, you get rub up next to somebody. I don't care just because you're a Christian. You should still do things or at least be receive challenge or receive uh, help. You know, a lot of people just need help. Pay that consultant to tell you that your idea is terrible. <laughs> you know, right? You would... You know, it might be, it might actually be better for you in the long run. So I, I go through that, like, that cycle in Christianity. You know, it's like just because you come up with something you think Jesus likes to name, you know, you get, go out and test it in the real world, like, figure it out, right? So, so I sit there and I probably, it took me about a year 
uh, to come up with a new name. I mean, I came up with every dumb name you could think of. It'd be, it'd be awesome at 10 p.m., you know, wake up at 5, 6, or wake up at 10 a.m., however late I go to bed. Uh, is how late determines how late I sleep. You know, you wake up, you're like, oh, that's not a good idea. It's a terrible idea. Oh, when am I going to call it now? And then one day I was in the book of Titus, and it's a book, uh, this passage I've preached out of so many times. And I was just reading Titus 2.12. And it's, I was just studying and reading and it just hit me. It just it literally just came right out of the heart of God. Hit me. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So we really like that idea, don't we? We like the idea that grace saves us. And it's also part of the reason why grace has become polluted and cheapened and watered down. I want to say this because if I don't, I'll forget. I'm going to wrap this in here, but there's a Corey Ashbury song, right? Great guy, right? Love, love the guy. I love the guy. I'm not criticizing him. But we were singing one of his songs a few weeks ago in church, and he makes this statement in one of his popular songs. I can't remember the name of it, but it says, you weren't, um, you weren't looking for perfection, you just wanted my heart, right? There's that line in there. And I remember when we sang it, it really hit me wrong. I'm like, no, God was looking for perfection. You couldn't give that to him. Oh, how you like that one, right? Like everybody liked it until I did that. And then, you know, it was just a thing. It was like, I have an apostolic gift. So I, I govern, I father, I, 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 I see deep into things, right? I, I pick up little data points and I figure things out. That's part of my skill set in my lane. So I heard the song. It's like, oh, cool, cool guy. I know why I wrote it. I can understand it. But we, it kind of pollutes things a little. Because what that does to you and I when we sing a song like that, and we're like, you weren't looking for, per- I don't even know how, I don't even know how, but you were, you're not looking for perfection. You just one of my heart. Well, I get it. That sounds good, but it makes us kind of at this, like God's like our buddy level, right? Like, oh, he just, he gets it, man. I mean, he's not looking for perfection from me. Well, he actually is. We don't want to hear that. You know, he actually is looking for perfection and G- only Jesus could actually fulfill it. He was the only one that ever has. And yet in Christ, we're filled with his spirit, his spirit that overcame death, hell, and the grave and overcame this world is now in us. So it's like, you know, I, I pick on the lyrics sometimes because the lyrics are off a little. We sing some wrong songs. We do. Our songs are off a little. And when we sing songs, this is another one that bothers me since I'm picking on songs, but, um, the whole concept of watch our screens when we put the words up. How many eyes do we see? Like the just I, right? Think about how many times we sing about I, 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 me, I, right? I love you, God. Well, when we're together, it's not about I. It's about we. So I challenge worship leaders. I challenge my worship leaders. I'm constantly challenging my worship leaders because I see things at levels and depths that they might, they probably don't. I'm always constant. I'm like, can we just put the word we in there? Just sing we? Can we just sing about the community? Can we sing about that? Can we get in? Because we've got to get back to the plurality of what the kingdom's about. And that's about God's raising up a people, not just a person. He's, you know, he's, he's raising up a person of his son Christ, whom we're all maturing into the headship of that, that person. So grace ops out of Titus 2, for the grace has appeared, but verse 12 says it's, it appears to bring salvation. It also appears to train us. So we like the idea, we like the idea that grace ignores my problems. It ignores it. It empowers it somehow. Somehow grace empathizes with me in deep ways that are just kind of like, oh, it's okay. God's not looking for perfection, right? He just wants your heart. But it goes on and says that, so for the grace of God brings salvation, in verse 12, trains us. So that's where the whole ops came from. I saw this. Now, if you would have told me 10 years ago or even five years ago that I was going to run an organization that potentially could impact our country like I think God wants to, I, I, if you would have told me I was going to run an organization with their grace on it, I'd have been like, dude, get away from me, bro. That's weak. No way. But then I, here I am one day just coming out of like this, this, I came out of the, I just came out. I was actually 
not too far. I actually was almost in Washington, D.C. I was in Washington, D.C. when I made this logo. I made this logo in Washington, D.C. at a prayer meeting. I, I finalized all of it right there. So the operations of God's grace, grace saves us, but it also trains us. Grace isn't weak. It doesn't, it doesn't empower us to sin. It empowers us to conquer. It actually empowers us to do what Jesus did and to live the way he lived. Like we can actually overcome this world because it's already been overcome. And when we actually realize what we're up against has already been broken, it's so much easier just to push it over. It is easier to get out of stuff. It's easy to be righteous. You just don't know it yet. You don't, haven't really fully walked in it yet. And so we want to actually, we actually want to raise up, we're, we're actually targeting this. This, our tagline is to empower the world to live upright. And we want to go after the hearts of men. It's not just for men, but, but we, we want to aim for that man, right? Alpha males, broken, masculine, all those kind of guys, and help them live upright. Teach them what character and virtue is once again. Because on a national level, we've lost that. All right, I'm going to do one more thing. So in the book of Acts, right, uh, Acts 1, Jesus teaches us about what, what it will be like when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, right? That we will be these bold, fiery witnesses. And he tells us exactly where we're going to be these fiery witnesses. In Jerusalem, right? In Judea, in Samaria, and then where? The ends of the earth. So it's like local, 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 global. I, and I, I listened to a really awesome message last night by a guy named David Bart, Barton, Burton, I think his name is. Barton. Great guy, great message. I hadn't heard of him. I mean, I kind of, maybe I knew who he was, but I, I forgot him. But I heard his message, and he talks about this local thing. He talks about the local power of the Great Awakenings and how the Great Awakenings were actually local, local, local. Then they were national. And then the, great, the Second Great Awakening was so long that you could have been born in it and died in it and not even known that you were in it because it wasn't based on sensationism. It wasn't like, come to the Great Awakening revival meeting. It was just happening in local congregations. And the fire of God was just, would go over here and burn. And th- this one would stay burning and burn. And the fires would be burning. And then they didn't even know they were in the Great Awakening until after all, all of it stopped. And the historians looked back and said, oh, that, well, let's call that the Great Awakening. And so what are we looking for as the third great revival? Are we looking for some big meeting? Are we looking for sensation? Because the answer to change the world's always been among us you don't need a new revelation from me today go live the 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 last five you heard you don't need anything new to me if you're looking for something new for me to spark you and something oh you'll get sparked by me but if you're just looking for that you're looking to the wrong place so grace what does it do it trains us to renounce ungodliness it, and renounce is to make a formal declaration that once what you once allowed to control you, you're making a formal declaration with your mouth. You no longer have authority over my life, over my mind, over my actions. I renounce you. You know, you, you need to renounce things. I'm going to say every day because we live the flesh and the spirit are always warring. Just because you got buttoned up for a few days and you were bulletproof in one area, Three days later, you know, you didn't eat until 5 p.m., your blood sugar dropped, and all of a sudden you're weak again in the spirit, right? Isn't that wild? So is the kingdom of God spiritual or is it material? That's a good question to think about. The answer is yes. (laughs) So you don't have to think too hard. (laughs) But... uh, So the answer is yes, and what we want to do is, because so, if, if the kingdom of God is only spiritual, then we might as well go be the monks, right? We might as well retreat off to some, some land, and that's a good thing to do, actually, to get your oil filled. I'm not saying there's not a purpose in retreat, you know, pulling back away from culture and seasoning yourself for a while. But if it's only spiritual, then that would be our only hope. If it's only material, then it wouldn't be complete, 
Because if because the picture we have to remember all the time is there's two pictures. There's the first Adam, the second Adam. The first Adam was made out of the dirt, right? God breathed into the first Adam. And the animation of the dirt was the breath of God. So dirt and spirit, right? Material, spiritual. Same thing in the second Adam, Jesus. The incarnation, born of a virgin. It's the spirit manifesting in the material. I like to think of it as the, uh, we'll come to the end of this age, and then the world to come will be fully installed. But because the kingdom of God is fully accessible now, Jesus told us that. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. Full access to my power, full access to my throne, full access to the garden, right? The presence of God, the full access lifestyle is already here. It's already here. It's already installed. And yet, when the world to come actually, you know, descends from the heavens into Zion, that's going to be like the, the, it's like fully here and yet full, fully going to be material. Right? So that we're kind of like these, it's like tension and mystery we walk in. So you have to keep your hearts centered. Keep your hearts on target. Everything that we are to be about is already in the Word. We don't need anything else. That could sound really disappointing, right? I mean, you really don't need any. You have it all right here. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Now, we need one another. We need each other, and it, it doesn't mean that you don't preach the gospel. It doesn't mean that you don't teach and there's a lot of things we've got to get to teaching. There's a lot of things we've got to get, get about. If, if part of the assignment on God's people is to possess the gate of their enemy, there's a lot of things we don't understand about a lot of the gates we ought to be possessing. Because we kind of retreat back to this all-spiritual kind of mindset. The church, the people of God, ought to not be just all-spiritually minded. Then you might end up have no earthly good, Right? I mean, heaven is really not the destination. Earth is the destination. You ever paid attention to that in the scriptures? So to think about, oh, heaven is so sweet, and I just can't wait to get to heaven. Well, that's actually a big error in your thinking. It's actually really off. It wouldn't even be the way Jesus would think. Because that's called escapism. And if my only goal is to get to heaven, then you totally you only know like a percentage of the equation. The goal of Jesus was to get heaven here. You know, the way we're ought to live. So the, if the world to come is already alive in me, then that makes me a first fruit of a coming world. It makes me a first fruit of a coming world. It means I'm a, I'm a taste of the government of heaven. I'm a taste of the power of the Lamb. I'm a taste of the Talmudim. I'm a taste of what a disciple is like. Come on. You understand that? Like, what's in the world to come that's coming into the earth is already in you. So we have problems. You know, we have some problems. I already, I already pointed out some problems earlier, right? Like some of our lyrics are off. We gotta fix, there's a lot of things we gotta fix. We gotta really die to the sensationalism thing. It's like almost sensual the way the church acts around certain topics, like just. And I'm, I believe the prophets, I believe all that stuff. We got a few days, right? Next few days are gonna be interesting. But you know, my hope isn't, I mean, I mean, it'll be awesome, right? I believe it. I'm not, but why would we need a Trump to help possess that gate of government? It's because the church has failed for so long. It's because we have missed the target, huge. So my concern is, are we ready to do the work that we ought to have been doing all these all this time, because you got to get busy now, today. And part of that busyness is going to be using your dining room table to make disciples. If you don't fill up your table at your house in the next month with one person, don't come back to this church. Well, or at least come back and tell, just say, I'm not a disciple anymore, and I don't follow Christ, but I'm here to hang out with you guys. And maybe they'll let you hang around. Because I'm being serious with you. If we don't take seriously the partnership 
if the incarnation in the in if it's all real and it all worked and it's all we really are the first fruits of a coming world, then we ought to be about our father's business. Then we ought to be about the great commission. And that should be interrupting your dining room table. That's where discipleship happens. Is in a dining room table. Thank God we haven't been able to go to Starbucks because that's kind of, it can happen there. I'm not saying it can happen there, but we've got to have the intimacy of bringing somebody into your home, showing them your life, showing them that you have something to offer them. And you don't have to have everything to offer them. You don't have to know the entire Bible. We overcomplicate the scriptures. I just, you know, you got to get about the Great Commission. I'm serious. One month's a long time. That's a long time. You'd have like two days to think about who you'd ask over for dinner. You'd have like three or four more days to Google what does it mean to make a disciple, right? You would have another few days to think about what you're going to eat and then how you're going to approach the conversation and, and then you're going to make the pitch and the offer at the table, you know? Like, you got 30 days. That's a long time. But we've got to get back to being local. All right, now our focus at large, and I'm, I get, I, this is a mistake I make as well too, that David guy helped set me right a little bit last night. We so focus on national that we, we can't forget local. The local is where we strengthen the roots. Local, 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 global. That's actually Acts 1-8, right? Local, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, it's all local, relatively local. And then everything else, global. Not even national. Just skip nation, skip the nation, go global. And I'd hope to see you. We're coming out here to do a powerful men's event, a Grace Ops men's event. Yeah. February, February 27th. <laughs> February 27th. And I didn't have it ready by today. I had, I had, I almost did. We're about 75% ready to go. But you'll be able to go to graceops.net slash Lena in just a few days and you'll see the promotions and We'll get you all the graphics, and you can actually register right there. And we're bringing our whole Grace Ops crew out here for an entire day. Like, it's, 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 it's going to be great. We're going to talk about the five-star charge, how to have a life of honor, affection, liberty, war, and valor, how to establish those things in your life. And so that's how we've defined biblical masculinity. So, okay, I'm kind of wrapping all this together here, so we'll just stay on this, uh, this, this style. Seems to be working. So... So we renounce the two two parts death on the godliness and worldly passions. And then we live three parts life. So the grace of God is training us to renounce and to live. To renounce the things that ought not to be in our lives. Those old ways, that old man, the old nature, put on the new self, put on the put on holiness, be holy because I'm holy. So those things that we allow in because we allowed it in, we have to take responsibility and we have to renounce it. So when we renounce it, you draw that battle line and you go on. And you thank God that his grace was there to train you to do those things. And then grace is going to train us to actually live upright. It's going to train us to live self-controlled lives. So whatever you're renouncing, you're, you're going to get trained in the area that you actually can control yourself. You don't have to turn back to that idol. You don't have to turn back to that way. You don't have to turn back to that mindset or that mentality. You can control yourself. See, even there we get sensational about it, right? Like, well, the Spirit of God has to... No, you just get up and live upright. You get up and pray. You know you're God. It's not that hard, right? And then you got buddies, friends. you got people you can open up to, be authentic to. Hey, I struggled with this. We need to. The scriptures are clear that when we confess our sins to God, he forgives us. And we ought to be confessing our sins to God all the time. There's so many, there's so many teachings out there that takes grace all the way down and pollutes it and trashes it. Cause it's like, oh, we don't, I've heard people teach, you don't even have to repent anymore because God's already forgiven all the sins of the world. I mean, imagine that when you wronged your, 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 your wife or your kids, right? Well, how come you, you were a jerk, Dad? How come you didn't say sorry? Oh, because God had already forgave our that. Get over it, right? Like, like, it's just so impersonal. It's just so stupid, really. It's a stupid thing. But we like the idea, right? Because we think, oh, God's already forgiven all my sins. So we build these churches that are an inch deep and a mile wide. They don't know anything about the Great Commission. They don't know anything about, you know, the, I call them uh, circus monkeys. 
They're they're they're, cla- they're clapping monkeys. You know that little monkey that has his elbows up. He's like, tush, 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 tush. and then you cue the music. Because that's a church that just wants to grow isn't a biblical church. I have a hard time with growth and this over focus of growth. It's just I've been around church planning for 14 years and. It's just, we're so obsessed with it, you know? You go to some kind of conferences, growth, grow, grow. Like, what the heck is you guys on, man? Like, guess some kind of steroids stuck in your system, right? Like, some kind of growth hormones, this kind of weird stuff. It's like, I got four kids. None of them have ever asked me, when am I going to grow? They're not, like, obsessed with growth. Like, did I grow today? You know, it's not like a, something they measure. Kid, you know, but healthy things grow. So we should be focused on the health. And, like, you know, if you had a church of, uh, oh, let's say 12, like Jesus, right? It's because his church wouldn't be accepted today. Oh, he's, he's not doing it right. Oh, he, oh, he's not doing it right. Okay, yeah. He's so offensive. Yeah, yeah, he's so offensive. I mean, you know, but his 12 changed the why we're sitting here today. <laughs> you know what I mean? And what do we want? All right. I mean, think about that. We got the largest churches we ever had in the history of our country, and look at the pathetic nature of our culture. The church has failed America. The problem in America is our fault. So, okay, it's our fault. I get it. What am I going to do? Quit? Go hide? Cower? No. If that was my mindset, I would have left the church 20 some years ago because the church does suck in a lot of ways. Some of you didn't like that. Whoa. My wife hates it when I say that. She's from the South. She's like, you can't say. He said that word. Like I did. I'm preaching in my hoodie, too. So So it's just one of those things where you don't. There's I agree with probably 80, 90 percent of the reasons why people don't want to go to church. I agree with them. I fully agree with them. I mean, I got I got an awesome couple in our church came in. About a year and a half ago, or almost Easter would be two years. And I'll never forget the first time they came in. So our church was an old bar. It's right across the street from this big grocery store. Pava Grove is a small little town, but you know, it's like right there in the epicenter of everything. And you know, the story about the bar and stuff, I, I shared that here a few years ago, but you know, you're probably not all remember that message, right? If you did, that'd be really impressive. I don't even remember it, but um, anyway, um, well, actually, I do remember the message, but, uh, that I spoke here, but it's the technicolor of life. If you want to know, it just came to me, so I just want to tell you. Just, just so you would know that I knew what I was saying, that I knew, that I knew, that I actually knew it, not just smoke screening. So, <laughs> so yeah, thanks for showing in the Grace Ops. We're going to be here in February. If you want to go to another event, we've got one at the end of this month in Poplar Grove. It's an axe throwing steak event. So, uh, you, it's thirty bucks. You get it's an axe competition. Guy who comes in first place gets a hundred bucks. We're gonna eat steak. You get a beanie. You get one of those beanies, and then um, I'm gonna speak about how to live upright in a morally trash culture. You know, yoga pants and kitty cats. I'll be addressing all that kind of stuff. You know, so you post a picture of like animals and little kitty cats. Everybody's all over it, right? Yoga pants, kind of the same thing, right? We don't want to talk about this at the church, do we? Like, oh, my God, dude, he just, whoa, like, dude, what was that line? He doesn't want my perfection. He just wants my heart. You know, it's like, that's what we do, right? We struggle with yoga pants, and then we sing a song like that, and we feel good about it. See? I mean, see, grace is like, I want to train you to live upright. I want to train your eyes to conquer this world. I want to train your heart to be healed and whole and full so it doesn't need that false affection. All right? And good luck, right, man? I mean, we live in a crazy day. I got four daughters. I'm like, whoa, no, whoa, I'm going to put some dress codes out right now. Boom. You know? My daughters don't date until they're 18. That's not even a joke. My daughters don't date until they're 18. Why? Why? Because you're not in love at 12. 
save yourself the pain. Like, get 18 so you can tell this dude, you're not like my father, so get out of here, right? Like, you already came through all your insecurities. I've already built you up through all those weekdays. You're not, you're not getting sucked into some little junior high punk that doesn't know any better anyway. And he's got other intentions. I don't have those intentions with you, daughters. I'm a man of God. I'm your father, not your friend. If you like me as a friend, cool, but that's not my goal in your life. <laughs> so I teach them things like, don't put the hoe in homecoming. <laughs> How do you like that? Okay, I'll get into the word now. Um, <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a goal at the Grove is that keep it is to keep it as offensive as it possibly can be. I mean, with the truth, right? Not just for offense sake, but because the the quicker I can help you decide this isn't for you, then I've got your chair freed up for who it is for. I don't want to play religious games, patty cake. I'm not as clapping monkey, so I'm not going to entertain you. I won't build a culture like that. The culture we need, the material, we're already resourced in the scriptures. We're ready. This thing's ready to explode. We just got to get busy doing the work. We really got you got to get busy using your dining room table. You got to get busy using your car for the gospel. Who could you have picked up today? Oh, I don't know anybody. Well, go get to know somebody. Go knock on the dude's door that you drive by his house 25 years in a row and you don't even know the guy 18 houses away or three blocks down. What about local, local, local? Look for his needs. Does he have a walker? How can you help him? How can you mow his grass? It doesn't have to be a church-sponsored function, like we're going to go out and do this nice, kind stuff. That's cool, but that's not our jobs. That's your jobs. I'm an equipper. Steve's an equipper. It sucks to be equippers, man. I mean, yeah, you don't, you don't like, I'm raw, so you know, you may not like it. You don't know the price tags a person pays to actually believe Ephesians 4. You don't know the price tags I've paid in 20 years to try to call a fat, lazy culture, you know, drunk in prosperity to the, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's tough work. Yeah, that's tough work. Hey, you're distracted culture, look this way. Hey, come, come you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Christ bids a man, come on and die! Can you come over here and die? No, I want to go to the inch-deep, mile-wide church and put my floaties on and just float around in the shallow end. Well, Jesus is just sit there with a twenty-two shooting your floaties so, they, so you sink, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the image. I have some really weird images, but that, you know, I mean, he would be a good aim, you know, so you know he's not going to hurt, hurt you, hurt you, but <laughs> you're going to learn how to swim. There is nothing in the scriptures that have to do with this easier way into it. So when we approach people that way, we're we're not representing Christ. We're representing our own fear of man. So I really uh, kind of want to get in. I'm already really well into it, but I want to kind of bring to you this passion that I've recently discovered from the book of Malachi. It's going to tie a lot of the things I've already thrown out there together. It's going to tie time together really well. So Malachi chapter 1, if you could turn there. Malachi is a minor prophet. He's the last prophet before the 400 years of silence. Before the life of John the Baptist comes, you know, this wild prophet comes out of the shoots, preparing the way of, of, of Yeshua. So we're going to look at chapter 1, and I'm probably going to give you overviews of, of the entire book. It's, it's only 1,093 words. So in chapter 1, we find God is using his prophet to speak to a particular people. And, a, and within those people, to speak to a particular type of person... So you got to follow this, okay? Because this is going to come right to your front door. Malachi is speaking to a particular type of person that is that that lives where you live and is sitting where you're sitting. Watch how I establish this, okay? Israel, I want you to understand sanctification. 
Sanctification is being set apart. So God chose Abraham. You know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God chose Abraham. Called him out of his father's household, right? What did he do? Set him apart. Had him live differently. You know, not too far into it, God's, you know, God had made this big promise to Abraham. God had asked him for his only son. He pulls out the knife, right? He's getting ready to do the deed of sacrifice because that's what the gods were like back then. Of course you would sacrifice your children to the gods. Of course Abraham would go along with it. That's how the gods were, but not this God. So he's testing Abraham, but God's also making a proclamation about who he is. I'm the God that provides. I just wanted to see how far you'd go. See, so many of us quit because we're scared. And what I'm about to expose here in this message is I'm going to expose, I make fun of the clapping monkey church, right? I make fun of it. It doesn't mean I hate those guys. It just means I need to take them out behind the barn for a few minutes. And, you know, but that's still love too, right? But, um, but, but anyway, I told you, man, I got some weird, weird things, but, um, I still, I love those guys. And I won't just totally dismiss everything they're doing because, like, as if I got it all mastered, as if I've got it all down, right? There's the other side of the ditch, right? The other side of the ditch is that air of thinking, oh, well, I, you know, the Bible's very clear. We all know in part. We all see in part. You know, so, yeah, Steve sees a different way than I do. I see different. So it's fun to come, come, come by and compare notes at times, right? Hey, you come speak to my church. They're going to hear things that I don't see it that way necessarily time or express it that way. And he's going to come speak at our church in a month, you know. But there are two foundations that we find prevalent. All through the scriptures, we have the foundation, which would be the fear of the Lord. And I call that the Davidic. That's David's foundation. We have the flip side of that, which is the fear of man, which I would call Saul's foundation, King Saul. And you can see that really clear in the landscape of this hour, and as you look through the the decades and even centuries since Christ. And you can see very clearly fear of God as a foundation, or fear of man as a foundation. So my brothers, you know, I love them and stuff, but... There are, you know, the clappy monkey, inch deep, mile wide, put on your floaties, because that's all part of their language. You know, I've had these conversations with these guys. I go to lunch. I don't just make fun of them from a microphone. I actually make fun of them at lunch with them. <laughs> I really have done that. So, I mean, I got some really interesting stories. So, um, and I did it in love. But so there's this, there's this, This problem, you know, because all of that language is part of this foundation that they've been building upon. And we've been gauging our success measures as bigger, better, better. And that's not a biblical pattern. Most of what, when you really follow the heart of God, it's, it's kind of like smaller, gnarlier. Um, oh, how do you think Peter fell? He's out walking on the water and then he like falls, right? Like, Jesus is like, why did you doubt? I mean, really, why did, he, like, he's, he's asking him, why did you doubt what I said that you could do? I told you you could walk on water. I mean, that's a powerful thought in that story. Because we always like to focus on the wind and the, the distractions. No, no, no. Jesus said, why did you doubt what I said you could do? I said you could do it. The wind, what's that? The, those circumstances are nothing. Jesus didn't ask him about all the circumstances. He said, why did you doubt? So Malachi chapter 1. Right out of the shoots in verse 2. says, I have loved you. Now God is uh, he's unfolding this prophetic word to a particular people. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He calls them out. So God sanctifies a people. Teaches them how to live. Why? Because when they live according to his statutes and his commands and his purposes, did you know that that in the law there's grace? And did you know that in grace there's law? You don't like that one, do you? Like, I don't know, man, when's lunch? Right? So 
when we have God calling them out, he's sanctifying a people. So that they would live a particular way. Why? Because in their lifestyle, this is so key. If you don't get anything else, get this. In their lifestyle, the way they live, that they would honor the name of God in such a way that this people would sanctify God as being distinctively different than all the other gods. Oh, man, that gets deep and gnarly quick, doesn't it? As if God needs us, because he doesn't. He wants us. He doesn't need us. He wants us. His love wants us to participate. His love wants us to partner with him. His love, he, he wants to pour into us. His grace wants to train us. So that when we live different, we live in a day and age of yoga pants, but yet, wouldn't it be great if there was, like Ephesians 4 said in the churches, there was no hint of sexual immorality? I mean, we've almost kind of maybe even convinced ourselves that's almost, it's almost, I don't know if that can happen. It's unfathomable, right? Like, what do you mean? It's just everywhere. It's just, well, you got to build a band of brothers. you got to get serious about this stuff. we got to dig in. we got to do this together. I only know all this stuff because I live in this world. I'm not, I didn't read a book about this. I live here. This message, all this stuff I'm picking on comes from the life I live. My eyes have failed in those areas. So I'm not coming as one like, oh, I'm way up here. No, it's, it's the essence of the heart. But I'm not going to sing the song, He Wanted Perfection. Uh, he, oh, you know, He didn't want perfection. I'm not going to sing that song. I'm going to sing the song, He Wanted Perfection. And thank God He sent Jesus, whom I am yielded under as a disciple, and one who's born again, saved by grace, and I'm trained by grace. So that I can now go live upright. Don't you love the Robin Hood message? Don't you love that? Come on. Rise and rise again, right? Until lambs become lions. And that's the essence of a man of God. A true man of God will never quit. He will continue to rise. He'll fall seven times and he'll, he'll rise again. He'll mess up. He'll, he'll get knocked down. Pride will hit him. His flesh will get him. He's going to repent. He's going to get, he's going to receive rebuke and he's going to rise again. You know the enemy hates that about us? I mean, the enemy hates that rise again thing. He hates it. So, all right, Malachi 1, uh, it'll go quick from here. So God says to, uh, well, no, i got to establish one more thing. i got to establish one more thing. So if we live a lifestyle that honors the name of God, that sets him apart, that sanctifies the name of God in the nations, to set God apart as distinct and holy, then Israel was really messing this up in Malachi's day, as they have a lot of times, as just like you and I have. And you'll find that we're not picking on Israel. We'll be picking on ourselves real quick here. But here's the thing. So God is sending a prophet to a people, his people. And inside of that people, he's sending the message to a particular section of those people, which is the priesthood. Because the priesthood were actually not living according to the laws and the statutes and the decrees that God had established in the Torah. And the the offerings that they were bringing into the temple and the way they were doing it was totally polluted and, and corrupt. So God sends Malachi to deal with the corruption in the priesthood. Okay, so now I want to establish one more thing. Go back to where Israel came out of Exodus, or, the, you know, the Exodus. It came out of Egypt, and they're at Sinai, and God proposes covenant to them. What does he say in the proposal? I want every one of you to be a kingdom and priest unto me. That's what God wanted from the beginning. You know, 13 chapters later, the Levites are like, we're in. The other, the other 11 tribes were like, ah. So Jesus comes as the great high priest, right? He's a king and a priest. And then we find in the New Testament, we find, we don't find an invitation anymore. God's like, I tried that once. I'm not inviting you anymore. I'm declaring it over you, right? So first Peter, you are a royal what? Okay, so we live in the day and age of the every believer priesthood. Oh, that should get real intimate real fast with you. And where we don't like it is because the priests are the ones that live close to God. 
The priests were the ones that, now I'm not, I'm not even going to build an argument because I hate the concept of secular and sacred. I totally hate it. It's not even biblical. What I do is not called sacred work and then somehow you work at like IBM and that's a secular job. No, 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 no. That's one of the reasons why we haven't conquered at the gates. Because we've had too many high-powered, great people out in the marketplace thinking that what I do is holy and what they do is like some kind of second-class thing. Oh, I've had, I've had powerhouse CEOs, entrepreneurs come to me. Oh, man, i got to get a church going. i got to be like you. I'm like, maybe, maybe. Let me get to know you a little bit, you know. And I got to know this one guy. I said, bro, no way, dude. You fall down. You, you drop things and it turns to gold. Right? Like you make mistakes and you make money off your mistakes. I'm like, you're, you are in your lane, bro. I'm like, you, you try to step over here and be like me. You're not even gifted. Like, maybe you could do it, but it's not your thing, dude. Let me set you free. Okay, so. So God's actually sending a message to the priesthood in the day of, in the day of Malachi. So that all of Israel would live right, and they would get that lifestyle down, so that they could sanctify the name of God in the earth. It's still the same mission. Today, in the 21st century, we are the every believer priesthood. So that as a priest, we have to walk close to God. As a priest, there's duties in the temple. There's statutes, there's commands, there's things we can't overlook. There's things that we can't pollute and corrupt. Okay, so I've set the stage. So now it's so set that we can get through this quick. How do you like that? You like it? Okay, cool. <laughs> I just want to make sure you're awake. You want to hear this. Malachi 1-2. I have loved you. That's God saying to Israel, I have loved you. And he says it in such a way that provokes the idea, how have you loved me? So remember, everything God does for us, he does first. He models first. We're going to jump into verse 6. So God's, you know, he's dealing with Israel, verse 6, he's dealing with this priesthood. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? Come on, somebody, you hear the heart of God? If I'm your father, Israel, specifically the Levites, if I'm your father, where is my honor? Isn't that a command, honor your father and mother? I mean, God is speaking the language they know. If I'm your God, where is my, if I'm your father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master over you, where is my fear? Where is my reverence? Where is the awe in my people because I am your God? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest who despise my name. Now let's remember, we are the priest of this day. And I know you know that because I know Steve teaches that. I know you know that. We're kingdom and priest. We're a priesthood. So this message can come right to our front doors, right? Right into our own hearts, right into our own souls and minds and our own lifestyles. It says, so priests who have despised my name, but you say, how have we despised your name? I mean, all these, like, this little, like, conversational tango that's going on, like, all these, like, Israel's responses, like, well, God says this, but you say, how? They do that all the time. You say, how? You say, how? So arrogant. I mean, it is so arrogant. It is the proof of their spiritual pride, their spiritual blindness. If God, our Father in heaven, sends a prophet to rebuke you, and you know that they're telling you the truth, and then you go, but how? Oh, my gosh, I would smack you in the head. Dude, I would just, like, knee drop you, man, and, like, that's how, son. How you like that? that you know, like, face stomp you a little bit. Get you bleeding real good, sweating a little bit. Now you're humble, aren't you, boy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? So, aren't you, boy? You know, so it's gonna be a great men's ministry, you know. So, <laughs> it's gonna be fighting and all kinds of things going on. So, I don't know what I'm starting, but <laughs> it's gonna be great. So, okay. So, by yeah, thank thank you. Um, one person believes it. So, okay. Um, <laughs> so, just, so how how we you know. Um, how we despise you. God tells them, verse 7, by offering polluted food upon my altar. We'll get into that. But, they, but you say, how have we polluted you? By saying the Lord's table may be despised. Because basically what he's saying is this, right? You allowed it to happen. You knew better, and you let it happen anyway. 
That's the problem in this culture, this hour. It's why we have the largest churches we've ever had. We have more mega churches we've ever had in our history. But look at the condition. Actually, in the last 20 years, Christianity has dropped by 20%. So what are we doing in the mega churches? The goals of the megachurch are not found in the scriptures. And I've told them all that. Like, it's fun. Man, you should be at my lunch, man. These are good combos. Because they're done in love. Do you want to hear about it, don't you? Okay. So I asked this one guy at a clappy monkey church. I asked him, um, I said, hey, man, I want to know how you sleep at night. At lunch. Oh, I sleep fine, man. It's all good. I go, oh, you do? Okay, cool. Sleep fine? Yeah. Yeah, why are you asking me that? I said, well, Acts 20.20, Paul says he preaches the full counsel of God so that the blood of the people aren't on his hands. And I said, I said, now, you know, as well as I know, brother, that you don't preach the full counsel of God. You know you don't. You know you don't. Right? Tell me I'm right. Because if I'm not right, then rebuke me. I said, so... That's what the scriptures say, but yet you sleep just fine at night. Like, I'm just here because I love you, and I wanted to show that to you. Awkward. Right? So, okay. <laughs> anyway, we'll go on. So he says, uh, <laughs> so here, here it is, verse uh, 7, right? By offering polluted food on my altar, how we polluted you, God tells him. By saying that the Lord's table may be despised, verse 8, when you offer blind animals and sacrifice, come on. Think about that. That's disgusting. That is dirty and disgusting and polluted. When you offer blind animals, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? I mean, just let's just think about that. Wasn't Christ the Lamb of God? Was he blind or sick or lame? Did God not give us his best what does he want from you that's why i wore this hoodie it's my best apparel (laughs) okay so do you see where this is going right so there's a statue there's a command there's the torah there's a process the temple and then you've got the people of god getting ready to go to the temple to worship and they're like hey grab that one it's been it's had a fever for three days Hey, grab that one. Let's bring, come on, Junior, grab that one. Let's go. That's our offering today. We're bringing it to the temple. Oh, that one over there is blind. It keeps running to stuff. Hey, grab that one. It's not going to cost me anything. I get rid of it anyway. You know, so start putting yourself in the story. How, how do we do that? How do we pollute communion? How do we pollute baptism? How do we pollute it? How do we water it down? Because we're, we're doing it. We're doing it right now. This country is doing it. The church of this country is doing it. We're the reason why the church is in the condition it's in. We're doing it right now. So let grace train us out of it, right? Let's not just sing the song, oh, he, he wanted perfect, you know, he didn't want perfection, it's one of my heart. That sounds so nice, Corey, and he's a great guy, dude. I know, I know people know him, like know him, like have him on their phone, know him, like he's a cool dude. I'm not picking on that guy. It's the, it's a cultural thing. And my hope would be that if he heard me say this, he would change the lyrics. <laughs> That'd be great. So, okay. So God is addressing this issue. You're bringing lame things to me, and you're acting like it's okay. What does he say next? Present that to your governor. Well, we would like to do that right here. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's a, the best message. You know, <laughs> but but. Uh, you know, hey, you can take my lame, blind, all right, dude. So, okay, but the heart of what God is saying, right, like, like even though they would be evil, right, you would treat them, like, because you had to, right, they, they, they had control and, in, in, you know, but God was like, bring that to your, bring that to your governors. Would you, you know, would you go to a place where the earth honors and bring something lame like that? But yet you do it to me. God's like, you bring it to my house, my temple, and yet you wouldn't even do it to an earthly governor. Because you know he would reject you. 
You know, he would spit on your face. He would be, like, disgusted by that. So verse 10, powerful verse. There's a lot being said here in verse 10. So Malachi is speaking the heart of God to the priesthood of that day and this day. Right now, so Malachi is speaking to us today. Oh, that there were, were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. So listen to what it says and listen to what it doesn't say. It doesn't say take the entire system and structure and destroy it and throw it in the trash can. Because that's what many people have done with, with the concept of church. And even though I would agree with most of what they, yeah, I was telling you earlier, I kind of jumped tracks here, but the, the lady who came in almost two Easter's ago is so funny. Because she came up to me after the service, because I'd met her at the front door, we did the plan your visit thing, and, you know, I was on that team that day, and I met them, and they're like, oh, this is cool, the pastor's meeting us, or, I don't even call myself pastor, I don't even know why I said that, I hate that word. But, uh, anyway, <laughs> I do, I, I hate it as a title, so. That's a whole other thing, though. I won't get into that. But um, So she goes to our worship service. She goes to our gathering. She comes up to me afterwards with all kinds of colorful language, telling me how she hates church. This and that and blah, blah. I don't know if she was trying to shock me. I was just listening to her. And I said, yeah, I fully agree with you. I, I'm, I get it. You're right. <laughs> She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, because I felt that way a long time ago about the church, but I can't quit the church. How many people have quit church? I can't quit it. I can't quit it because of this verse 10 thing. Okay, so God is saying, oh, that there be one among you who would shut the door. Stop the process. He didn't say stop everything. He just said don't pollute it anymore. Don't let that dude bring that blind sacrifice. Don't let, don't let him bring that feverish one. Put the, stop it, shut the door so the fire on my altar is not burning in vain and go back out to the people and rebuke them and tell them to bring the best to the Lord and then God will honor them as we honor him. I mean, you know, so I can't quit the church system. I could have quit a long time ago and just been some rich business guy, spending all the energy I spend trying to get this fat, prosperous, lazy culture to kind of pay attention to the Great Commission and dive into the deep end and die to yourself. Yeah, good luck with all that. I put a lot of energy into that. It's a hard message to carry in a world that's prospering and distracted and doesn't like church. So God's like, hey, why don't you go be one of those guys? I'm like, oh, that's great. That's awesome, God. That's, that's a terrible idea. But I'll do it. You know, that's what you want. So, um, so verse 11, so God is saying in the midst of the priesthood, he's saying, here's the problem. But he's making a declaration that even from the rising of the sun, even though my priesthood is getting it wrong, even though my people are getting it wrong, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every, instant, in every place, incense will be offered. So God's saying it's going to be done right. He, God didn't destroy the system. He didn't destroy the pattern. He didn't destroy the way. And we have a pattern of the way we ought to be living in this hour out of Ephesians 4. Apostles, prophets are on the cornerstone, the foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone, that apostolic and prophetic. And I hate the idea, if you put apostle on your business card, um, please take it off. I mean, I'm just being serious, man. We've gone so, it's a sensational thing, right? Like, oh, somebody told me I was an apostle. I don't care. And it bothers me that you care. I mean, it just bothers me, dude. Like, I'm looking at you like, let's go out behind the building, brah. I'm that guy in a room, man. Like, I'm just that guy. I've been good at being myself all these years. That's why I don't have many friends. Most denominations don't like me at all. So, And I'm really for people. I'm not against them. It's just let me come in and tinker. I'm an innovator. I, I want to come tear your world apart and help you see how you could do it better. So don't put it on your business card. Take it off. Print new ones. There's 50 bucks. No big deal. If you call yourself pastor, well, now I'm really getting into it now, aren't I? Take that off your business card, too. Oh, my gosh. Why? If you have Christian labeled somewhere, take it off. 
Take it off your Facebook. Take, take it, erase it. You know why? I won't call myself a Christian to people. Because if the world outside doesn't see that I'm a Christian and can call me a Christian even as an insult, then what am I doing labeling myself something like that? My lifestyle puts it out there. My lifestyle sanctifies God. My lifestyle puts God on display to the nations. My, the way I live. But what do we do? We grasp for nouns when it's a verb. Don't we? We're grasping for nouns and we're, we're putting these, these stale noun things on us and it's made us look really ugly. Cause if you're not, if, if you're a Christian, if you're not a verb Christian, then you're not a Christian. If you're just some Christian by some creed or theology or I agreed with this or that, and I don't know. Anyway, I only have a couple minutes, so I'm going to finish up here. So from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name's going to be great. God says, you're going to get this. He doesn't change anything that he wants them to do. All he asked was that you would stop, that you would shut the door. Stop. And they destroy the whole thing. And then it goes right into verse 12. But you profane it. Well, this connects to Jesus' teaching. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So when he says, hallowed be your name, he's, his, the first century world would have realized right away he's talking about lifestyle. Because that's how you hollow the name of God, is by the way you live. So to profane the name of God is not a cuss word, although I don't like that one. That's a bad one. You know, you know the God's name in vain cuss word, just in case you didn't follow. <laughs> um no, you know, you know, that one's bad, dude. I don't like that one. But that's not, that's not what it means to profane God. It means to profane God by the way you live. That our life could actually hollow the name, bring the kingdom in, usher in the age to come, the world to come, now, here in the 21st century. Or I could profane. So God is saying that in verse 12. But you profane it when you say the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit and his food may be despised. He's talking to the priesthood. You've allowed this to happen. You allowed it to be profaned. And he says, I'll curse you. Cursed be the cheat who has made male in the flock and vows it. And yet sacrifice Lord was blemished. Man. For I'm a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. And then just chapter 2 just keeps going, 3, boom, it's just all these one twos, boom, boom, boom. I'm done. <laughs> I mean, do you feel like the, the ache in God's heart of how he wants his people to be? He wants his name to be honored. He wants us to actually walk in reverence of him. He's built a particular way. I don't look at it like the Old Testament. I look at it as a continued testament, continue, continued covenant. And we live in, you know, the, the covenant of our hearts as Gentiles is the blood of Christ. And we're grafted into a people. So, Father... If we're going to do local, 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 help us to start taking this into our neighborhoods, the ten houses next door. Help us start taking it right here. Help us take Lena, Pearl City. Help us to local, local, local. God, help us to be people who are in awakening and not even aware of it because our lifestyles set ablaze for your name. So, Father, I speak today to the everyday priesthood. May we rise up now. May we walk in the responsibility and the duty of that priesthood so that we can honor your name, so we can possess the gate of our enemy, so we can advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for sharing a few moments with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his precious, life-changing word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and at Beloved Church, this is where you are greatly loved. 
Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, I pray, I desire, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul your mind your will your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the father desires for you to have we love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon goodbye beloved Speak life.